This is Pulse 95 Live at the International Government Communication Forum. Hello, welcome back on to the afternoon majlis that we've got for the International <laughs> Government Communication Forum. And we've got a host of guests that have been speaking this afternoon and this morning as well. And amongst them is Sir Craig Oliver, who served as the communications uh, head for the former British Prime Minister, David Cameron. And uh, we've had a very insightful discussion this morning, particularly about connecting with your audience, be making sure using the almost every channel for communication but I'd like to go straight into because being well versed with the situation in the UK and the politics there I think the biggest one of the biggest challenges that you faced were the London riots back in 2011 if we're not mistaken um, talk to us about such such as facing such a situation where it looked like chaos how did you uh, make sure that things were stable right at the top and are able to communicate with the audience? Well, it certainly was chaos. Um, it was my first summer in Number 10 Downing Street and nobody t told me that when the Prime Minister goes on holiday, most other people <laughs> tend to go on holiday too. So I was literally in Number 10 Downing Street on my own, the only political figure that was there. And it was clear that the, the rioting, which had been sparked initially because somebody had been killed by police officers, but had actually spread to other areas and had other reasons for happening was getting out of control so I had to pick up the phone to the Prime Minister and say look you really really do need to come back now because if you don't people will think that there's just complete chaos and I think at first there was a degree of skepticism people thought well you know does it look like we're panicking if we come back but actually it was so bad that I was very clear you do need to come back and you do need to make clear that you're taking charge here and it was a really interesting thing that something came out of a blue sky it wasn't something that people were expecting it hadn't been building up over a period of time but it really did feel at that time in London particularly and it started spreading to the rest of the country but it really did feel as if actually law and order was losing its grip and that there were riots across the country and we were in real trouble what is that about a big theme of this forum that we're in is communication during times of crisis. In your long and storied experience, uh, what did you learn about when you're in the, when you're in such tricky situations like the one we're in, for instance, in COVID-19, and and the public has a distrust of official figures and government figures, and they're prone to believing things they read online, for instance. How do you navigate your way out of that and gain the public's trust when you're working from a deficit in certain situations? Well, that's a huge question, and yeah. I suspect we could spend about three weeks talking about it. But basically, we are living in a time now where it feels like somebody's pressed fast forward, haven't we? There's huge megatrends around the world. We've been talking about cybersecurity this morning, climate change artificial intelligence, all of these big things are happening and having huge effects on the world and they're making things go incredibly fast. At the same time, communications is getting faster and faster. The ability for a story to be out there is the time it takes somebody to bash out a tweet or do an Instagram post. So if you're a government, it's more important than ever to make sure that you really know what are your values, what are your basics, what are your strategies. And also in those situations where something comes out of a clear blue sky, have you gathered together the people who've got the information and the knowledge to take decisions and to take them quickly and accurately? Often what happens where there's a, something like the riots or coronaviruses, that people haven't got a system in place that clicks in immediately and works immediately and they're sort of feeling their way. 
I also think the governments often feel that they have to be completely clear as if they're omniscient and know everything and pretend to people that they're across everything and they've got real control. Occasionally, in situations like coronavirus, I think it's important to say, look, it's a fast-changing situation. We've got limited information. We're learning as we go along. This is what we're doing now. We may have to change that going forward, so bear with us. And I think if governments were a bit more willing to be open and honest about the reality of the sheer tsunami of information that they're receiving and the difficulty of their situations, it might go a little easier on them. Let's touch on something that you guys talked about today in your in your discussion, in your session that just uh, concluded, the future relevance of government communication tools. Um, what in government communication is a variable and what is a constant from your point of view? Well, look, we talked a lot in the yeah. session about the fact that you've got, everybody's got a smartphone, everybody's got the ability to get information, people are in, you know, little, their own bubbles of things and that difficulty of that. And what I probably think we should talk about a bit more and I try to bring in at the end is you've got to get the basics right. right. You've got to know what you're about. You've got to know what your values are. Mm -hmm. What is the story you're trying to tell? What are you actually trying to achieve? And make sure that that solid rock foundation is absolutely there and all your communications people know it clearly. And if you've got that, you've got a kind of North Star or a compass that should guide you in various situations. It might be that the situation is new, mm -hmm. um, but actually, if you've got your values right, you know how to behave in those situations. And I think it's very easy for people to get obsessed by the bright, shiny new thing. You do need to be able to be where people are. You need to be able to communicate on the platforms where those people are. And you've got to be effective at that. But if you only do that and you haven't done the basics of getting your story right, then you will get lost as well. Yeah, and uh, can you also elaborate? Because I know during the, the Brexit situation, you were the director of comms for the campaign to keep Britain in the European Union. Uh, and of course, you've, you know how things turned out. Can you talk to us some more about some of the trials and tribulations in, in, in terms of communication that you went through at that time and maybe what you've learned from that situation as well? Well, what's extraordinary about the Brexit referendum was that it's a very important thing to the country and the government, but something that people hardly knew anything about. They didn't realize why are we actually members of the EU? Why is it important? And I think successive governments over the decades hadn't really explained why it was very important. The second thing that we came up against was a lot of people felt since 2008 and the financial crisis that governments had ceased listening to them. They weren't actually understanding the problems that they were facing and that they were charging ahead with globalized policies and they saw big institutions like the EU and they saw them as the problem. So I think one of the difficulties we faced on the Remain side is people had an emotional, psychological issue that they wanted to feel like you were listening to them and you understood their problems. And I think that the, the, the Leave side very often used information or misinformation to play on that. And that mm -hmm. was an extraordinary difficult situation to be in. Yeah. People are actually being fed information that's not strictly true or accurate and being misled about the importance of what they're doing. So since we touched on Brexit, I would like to talk about the, uh, the ongoing situation right now in the UK about the fuel shortages. Can you touch on that and what's the situation on the ground right now and what are the causes of it? Well, it's a fascinating situation. There isn't actually or shouldn't really be a fuel shortage right. in the UK. But it's a lorry yeah. uh, situation right there. <laughs> to an extent, lorry. but actually even so, we should have been, should be, if everybody was normally going to petrol stations and filling up their tank normally, we wouldn't be seeing a problem. Okay. But as, of course, as soon as the media sort of says, don't panic, there's not a problem, everybody goes, what do you mean don't panic, there's They're not a problem? They're stockpiling right I'd better now. Go, I'd better go and <laughs> fill up. So that has caused a problem. 
the bigger issue really is around the supply chain and there aren't enough lorry drivers, lorry drivers in the yeah. UK that are delivering things. So some supermarkets are seeing some goods not turning up. Some of that is because of Brexit and some of it is because of more complicated issues that have gone on. Perhaps the pandemic? Some of it is to do with the pandemic and actually if you look at European Union countries, mm. a lot of them are having similar situations. I believe in Italy and Spain, they're having similar situations mm. too. So it is quite complicated. It's very easy to make it very binary and say, if it wasn't for Brexit, this wouldn't happen. Look, I do think Brexit's accentuated it a bit, but also some, frankly, some irresponsible media reporting has made it worse too. Oh, true. Any well, solutions well, to that right now, from uh, your point of view? For the media to be responsible and people like you to say responsible things. All right. I'd like to <laughs> conclude this discussion with this aspect because you know after the the Brexit scenario even though you were in the Remain side the Johnsonian era uh, in terms of being able to get re-elected your expectations from from the current term now do I think Boris will be prime minister after the next election after look, the next look election. we live in an incredibly volatile period but if you were betting if somebody held a gun to my head and said you have to bet <laughs> he's very likely to win the next election. The reason for that, he's got a majority of over 80. That's very hard to overturn. The Labour Party is spending a lot of time, which is the official opposition in Britain, is spending a lot of time navel-gazing. It's struggling to get a clear point across. And just, I think, the laws of political gravity mean that it would be very, very hard to turn him out of office. Having said that, over the last decade, we've had lots of people saying Trump wouldn't be elected, Brexit True. wouldn't happen, Macron couldn't become president of France. So who knows? But if I had to bet, I would say he's quite likely to win the next election. Well, we'll have to leave it at that. Well, we were hoping that you come back to the UAE for, for this and we would love to stay in touch with you and maybe get some more insights into British politics. I'd like that too. <laughs> well, this was Craig, Sir Craig Oliver who joined us very kindly here at the IGCF. Stay tuned to Pulse 95. There's lots more to discuss. Pulse 95 Live from the International Government Communication Forum.